Welcome to the Simplify Jesus Podcast. We're your hosts, Matt Gunter and Bill Allen, and together we are breaking barriers through communication. Happy, happy new year, everybody, and welcome back to Simplify Jesus, where we are breaking barriers through communication. We've had a nice little break. I hope you have too. We, uh, we took a little time off. I hope you don't mind the reruns of a few episodes, the Christmas episodes, the New Year's episode. Uh, had a few people comment on how much they appreciated the, the Santa Claus episode and, mm-hmm. and uh, the Hanging with the Green episode is always fun. See how that stuff all points to Jesus. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, hope you enjoyed that and appreciate you uh, indulging us in a little break. But we're back and ready to get rolling again. Yeah. Ready to continue on with this chronological run through of the Bible. And uh, we're going to start a new book today. We're going to be in numbers. Matt's uh, engineering heart is all giddy about <laughs> getting into some numbers. <laughs> it's what I do. I love numbers. <laughs> so last time, a month ago, two months ago, <laughs> so I don't know. It's been a hot minute. <laughs> yeah, it's been a little while. I don't even remember how long it's been, but um, the last chronological episode we had was in uh, Leviticus, and, and uh, we were just talking about the law. So many laws, yeah. so many ways to, to make sacrifices for right. atonement and fellowship and everything else. So glad we don't have to do that. But today we're going to talk about the book of Numbers. And I don't think we're going to just be talking about Numbers. Um, but <laughs> why don't you start us off there, Matt? Where are we Where are we going with this? So so the book of Numbers is uh, an interesting one. It's... Um, when I think about it, I, I obviously the name lends itself to this thinking about the numbers and, and a lot of it's about counting. But what we see in the first part of the book of numbers is really the, I guess the setup of the nation of Israel and their division of tribes and responsibilities and a lot of that, especially for this period of time that they're going to be in the wilderness. And so after they Uh, have received the law from God. And after the law was laid out, God called on Moses to take a census of all the tribes uh, of Israel. And the census was specifically for men who were of fighting age. Um, And so they were all men who were 20 years old and up were, were counted. And so that they could have a, uh, I guess an accurate view of their, of their military might. I don't know. uh, I'd be curious to see what, what the exact reason for all this was, but I'd, I'd be curious to know how, how did they count all those 600,000 people that they had there? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really crazy. I mean, I, I know what we do in the sound booth at church. Or we're standing up, we're kind of poking around and, you know, okay, well, I can I can kind of see. I think I think they've got a kid in their lap. And, you know, I, I don't know how you do that with 600,000. <laughs> well, even today we get little notices in the mail for the census, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and we yeah. fill it out and send it back. and. Mm-hmm. You know, our census today is not accurate. Yeah, no. I'm willing to bet theirs was a lot more accurate. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. I mean, you think about the national census, you would think that'd be pretty foolproof at this point, but it, it's not. No. Um. I mean, it, it relies on people actually filling it out and sending it in. Yeah. And, yeah. of course, I, obviously they would go from birth certificates and death certificates and driver's license and 
I think with the forums, they probably just want to know how much money you make and you right. know, how many people in your house and all that stuff. How can I spam you more with calls and texts? And, yeah. Yeah. Figure yeah. out your demographics so they know what to sell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> They're too smart for us. Uh, <laughs> but it is interesting to think about. You know, I mean, they, they went through and counted. When they got them all together, 603,550 men. Just the men of fighting age. And that's something that we talked about, I guess, at the Exodus as well, is that they estimated 600,000 plus their families. And so we're probably talking between one and two million people all together. And this is just another confirmation that, that that's the kind of group we're talking about. I mean, and look how accurate that number is. Yeah. 603, 550. Yeah. They could have rounded up to 600, but no. Yeah, no. <laughs> 550. And it's interesting. We'll, we'll see in a, in a minute, too, that the the level of accuracy um and and precision that, that these guys counted with i mean it, it's literally down to the number it's it's an, it's incredible wow. so one kind of interesting little side note here is this did not include the levites at this point and i'll get into that a little bit more kind of their counting and whatnot um that's that's a separate deal but when you look at jacob and israel you go back to our our study through genesis um, he had 12 sons that make up the 12 tribes, but when Joseph was sold into slavery to Egypt and uh, worked his way up, he uh, got married. He had a couple of sons there. So his two kids, Ephraim and Manasseh, became two of the 12 tribes and the Levites were separated out. So so the 603,550, that is everybody except Levites. After they had counted all of the men of fighting age. They organized them into divisions. They had um, in their camp, the tabernacle that we talked about building probably a month and a half ago now. They camped all around it. So they had a kind of a north crew, a south crew, an east crew, and a west crew. And that's how they traveled. They traveled in these groups. So Judah, Reuben, Ephraim, and Dan were assigned as the leaders of the north, south, west, and east. And then all of the other tribes were assigned to them as well. So they organized themselves. Moses got them all counted out and everything. And that's how they traveled through the wilderness. And I think what made me kind of think about this and, and what I guess what I found interesting is the level of organization they went through. I mean, for 2 million people to be sorted out and say, you're of the tribe of Naphtali. So Naphtali, you're going to be in this group and you're going to be over here. And these are your responsibilities. And it's pretty incredible to think about. And considering, again, we're in the Bronze Age coming out of the Stone Age. It's just impressive me the level of detail and, and precision and, and everything that went into this as they were making themselves the nation they were going to be. Well, and we've already gone through where God has told Moses, no, where Moses' father-in-law told Moses, you can't handle all this on your own. You need some leaders. So pull those out. So that's this is just another level of organization yeah. that has happened that they're learning as they go. Yeah. They've been traveling for a long time. They've had all this time to figure this out, but they're still figuring it out. And as their people grow, they're needing to split it up even more. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. So once they got the 12 main tribes all sorted out and settled in where they were going to be, the counting of the Levites started. And so the Levites, they were broken up into different clans um, that were based on different family lines that came down. But... The counting of the Levites was all males who were at least a month old. And so all in all, there were, again, exactly the precision. And this is amazing. 22,000 Levite men 
They were at least a month old, and these men were going to be those who were either serving currently or, as they grew older, would be the ones to serve in the tabernacle. They would be uh, set apart, so to speak, for God's service in the temple. There was one more count that happened after this, and, and this is where it gets really cool to see how this happened with the Levites, is they did a count of the firstborn males one month and older amongst the nation of Israel. So what's crazy about this? We, we said there were 22,000 Levite men, right? The total count of firstborn males in all of Israel, 22,273. So there's 273 difference in that. The importance of that is that if you think back to the Passover, what was going on with the Passover and the final plague is God took out the firstborn males throughout the land of Egypt, unless you had the blood of the Passover lamb on your doorpost. And so one of the, I guess, requirements is that you are to dedicate the firstborn male of your household to service to God. So instead of doing that, he took the whole tribe of Levi and said, okay, the Levites, they're going to be my guys. They're going to be working in the tabernacle. They're set apart for this. The trade is almost exact in the numbers here, which in my engineer brain, I know I'm, I'm the one nerding out. I'm geeking out over this. I'm falling it's asleep. In- so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible to me that God picked the Levite tribe and he said, you guys are set apart. And it's only 273 different. We're talking hundreds of thousands of people. 273 difference in the number of men and the Levites, number of firstborn males that needed to be accounted for. So pretty incredible, cool God thing there. Um, An offering was made for the rest of the firstborn males that weren't covered. And this was given to the Levites as kind of a temple offering. But anyway, just a cool thing. I promise I'm done with numbers after that. I'll quit geeking out. But it's cool to see how all that worked out. After all the counting's done, after the my, my, my nerd out brain, Uh, got taken care of there. God laid out the responsibilities for the Levites in tabernacle service. And so the the tabernacle, we talked about this um, a couple episodes back. Um, It was designed to be set up and broken down and moved as they moved in the wilderness. Uh, This was not the uh, permanent temple that's going to be built by Solomon uh, down the road, but this was meant to be moved around. And so, and it was no small feat. It was huge. (laughs) Yeah, this thing was huge. Um, in fact, I got a new resource for Christmas that is the it's Bible maps and charts and timelines and that kind of stuff. Again, your engineering brain nerding out. Oh, man, <laughs> it's fantastic. I love it. But one of the things it has in it is a diagram of what the tabernacle looked like and the priestly garments, what they were. This thing was huge. It was It was massive. It was like 50... 50 cubits wide and 100 cubits long, I think, and it cubits about a foot and a half. And so we're talking about 1,500 feet long and 750 feet wide. So 1,500 feet, that's 500 yards, five football fields. But it was portable. It was made to be broken down and carried around, which is why it took 22, well, 22,000 Levites. Some of them were too young for it, but that's why it took a big crew. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So anyway, so each of the clans of the Levites had a specific responsibility for their part of the tabernacle to set up, break down, move. It could have been the the Ark of the Covenant or the posts or the curtains or any number of different things. But that's what those guys were there for. And that's when God set them apart. This is what it was for, for doing the offerings and taking care of the tabernacle. So that's kind of the setup um, of the nation of Israel. And and that's what a lot of the first part of Numbers is all about. 
One other thing that's really cool to see is that Moses picked out 70 elders to help him bear the burden of leadership. And you mentioned it earlier with his father-in-law um, telling him, hey, you can't do this by yourself. You you don't need to do that. Um, you need to have people you can call on. And so I think at this point he had some of that into place as far as judging the people, so to speak, and, and helping them work through situations. But God said to pick out 70 more that God would rest his spirit on them and they would be able to prophesy. They would be able to teach the people God's commands, uh, the law, and, and all of that. If you think about it, I mean, we talked about the book of Leviticus. It's in in our translations and stuff. It's 27 chapters of rules and regulations and festivals and all this, that, and the other. No way anybody had all that figured out or memorized all that stuff. These guys were selected by Moses and empowered by God to know how to carry out what God had told them to do. And so we see that delegation of power, delegation of responsibility coming to light there. And so they went out, they were prophesying around the camp, which prophesying, not future foretelling, but just bringing a message from God. And they were, they were taking some of that burden off of Moses and delivering that message. So now uh, do you, are these the same 70 men that, that I was mentioning earlier in Exodus that his father-in-law had told him, or is, has he selected another 70 men to help him? See, I'm, I'm curious about that because I, I was wondering, cause in Exodus, I can't remember if it says, if it gives a specific number of guys. I know he pulls those guys out and calls on them to, to help him judge through different situations mm-hmm. and stuff. So I'm not sure if these 70 are like that coming to fruition and him saying, okay, these are my guys. Or if he's already got those in place and these are 70 more with a similar but specific task that God's given them. I'm not sure. So that's that. After this, they continue traveling through the wilderness and God continued to lead them by a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, just like he did when he led them out of Egypt to the Red Sea. You know, typical people were grumbling, you know, the early age of the nation of Israel. Um, it wasn't all easy. It wasn't all, you know, perfect, but but what we what we see is kind of the setup of how God organized everything and made the nation of Israel um, before they got to the promised land. Yeah, like I said earlier, this is uh, a lot of uh, a lot of growing, a lot of learning, a lot of delegation, a lot of figuring out chains of command, and they're still traveling, mm-hmm. still, 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 mm-hmm. still, still traveling. Yeah. And and part of this, like, they have the second Passover. Um, around this time when all this is happening. So they've probably been out for a year-ish now, mm-hmm. like just kind of wandering around. And I say wandering around, they're being led by God, but but they're traveling. They've been traveling for a year and still trying to figure some of this stuff out. Makes me feel better about when we try to implement processes and stuff because like, okay, all right. If it doesn't happen tomorrow, it'll be okay. I, I, <laughs> I'm not I'm not alone. <laughs> that's That's exactly where I was going with that because I struggle so much with need wanting to get things done and and it's hard to for them to not be done immediately i spent this last week working on spreadsheets and my brain Mm. hurts and you know you're (laughs) the engineer not me um but but now that i've got some of those in place oh now i can i can sit back a little bit now you know now i'm on to the next process to try to get done but it's tough i've been you know i've been in business for 10 years Mm. 11 years in february and yeah. And it's still a constant battle of, of getting everything in place. So I can't imagine with the lack of technology and everything else they had, 
how much more difficult and life is kind of just starting here so yeah. they're figuring things out on a human level right right yeah there's there's a lot of boxes that you know we we come into this world kind of having checked already and and i say to not like a prideful way or anything but like we there's a lot of answers we already have that they didn't have back then i mean this is probably most people think between 14 and 1500 bc and so, I mean, there's been a lot of science and innovation and technology and stuff that's happened. And so, just their ability to do this is is pretty impressive in its own right. Um, and what's amazing to me, and we and we talked about this before, but it's still just it's it's one of those light bulb moments. How much this kind of setup and the delegation of leadership and the organization and um, delegation of responsibilities and all of that, how much that still applies to what we do today and how much we still struggle with some of that stuff too. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I know I am very much this way. I was just talking uh, to my wife about this recently. um, uh, Well, this weekend and about how hard it is to get out of the mindset of, well, if I'm not there, it just won't happen. Like, there's a problem with that. Yeah. That, that means you need to delegate. You need to train up. You need to, you know, you need to help somebody else be able to take that spot. Um, and it's, you know, it's good to be needed and, and to have your role and responsibility, but it's also good to delegate and, and to be, you know, that's what being a leader is all about. And we see that all the way back here, you know, 3,500 years ago. Um, and yeah, we got some of the same struggles. <laughs> well, not even just being a leader, but just growth and in, in, in general, um, yeah. as a, as a person, because if we're constantly all every day, we have more and more piled onto us Yep. from whether it be our, our family, our job, our church, our, our friends, whatever is going on. Yeah. You know, if we're wanting to be a good friend, be a good husband, mm-hmm. be a good father, we're, we're helping Yeah. and we get more and more and more piled on. And if we try to do everything on our own, we're just going to drown. Yeah. So we've got to delegate where we can. I'm not going to delegate stuff that has to do with my kids, right? but I can certainly delegate stuff that has to do with work so mm-hmm. I can spend more time with my kids. Right. So that's, that's just growth. I think if anybody is stuck mm-hmm. in, in a complacent kind of place in their life, mm-hmm. start looking for things to, well, either start looking for ways to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're already doing so much and you feel like you're spinning your wheels, figure out how to delegate some things. Yeah. Yeah, find a way to offload, um, and just getting real candid. Um, I've I've been in a little bit of that space. That's um, one of the things that you know I'm I'm always thankful for um, this time of year. You know, Christmas and New Year, you get a little time off and a little time to reflect and whatnot. And and that's one of the things that kind of crept up on me and happened is you know, you you take on more responsibility and more things, and um, and all of a sudden you're you, you kind of creep over capacity and it goes up, goes up. And next thing you know, it's like, how did I end up here? What am I doing? And it's really easy to happen. So I say that as an incur- as a challenge to myself, I guess, uh, to you know have some accountability in finding ways to offload a little bit and to, and to pull back. But also um, as an encouragement that it can happen to anybody and it does happen to everybody. And so, you know, no better time than the present new year, or if you're listening to this in you know, March or October, it doesn't matter, whatever it is. If you need to delegate, it's okay to delegate. It's mm-hmm. okay to say no. It's okay to um, to pull back and to 
to get yourself right. I want to repeat something you just said. It's okay to say no. Yeah. <laughs> That's the hard one everybody struggles with. It's okay to say no. Yeah. Repeat after me. It's okay to say no. <laughs> it's okay to say no. <laughs> but it really is. It really is. And it's, I guess it's a little bit of encouragement to me to know that one of our fathers of the faith and one of the leaders and one of the guys that we look up to, he struggled with it back then just like we do today. But he also worked through it. He made it happen. And we can we can learn from that example. So, so tell me, Matt, how does this point to Jesus? So... Be candid, I had something else written down and I there was a different thought that popped in my head as we are here working through the the outline and recording. And that is that in talking about delegation, you know, even Jesus didn't do it by himself. It's true. He he is the only son of God. He is the one lived a sinless life and died on the cross for us. He he is the only one who could do what he did. But he didn't choose to come and be a uh, a one-man show he was followed by crowds of people who were his followers and then he had his inner circle of 12 guys that um, that worked with him that learned from him and that he sent out into the world that established the church that were healing people and teaching people of uh, all about what the gospel was and who Jesus was and all of that and so I, I think it's really interesting to see see that set up here and see how Jesus implemented that in his life and what we can learn from that, but also the call on us to be those people. Right. And, you know, just like Moses had people that he brought in, the spirit was on them and then they went out and took care of business. We're called to do the same thing. When we accept Christ, the Holy spirit comes on us and then it's our turn to go out and go do. And so, and here again, thinking about us being in the new year and all that kind of stuff. And there's a little bit of, uh, We've talked about New Year's resolutions before. It's not really our thing. But you do get to start fresh right now. And so I encourage you to go check that out. The other thing that I that I had in here is that the Israelites were led by a cloud of God. And what what's interesting about it, and we talked about how they've been kind of wandering around some at this point. Yeah, they, they just kept following. And it, it it struck me as I was reading through some of this that many points they did kind of grumble and complain. Say, oh, we'd be better off in Egypt. We'd be better off doing this. But at the end of the day, they got up and followed that cloud. And they said, okay, God's going that way. That's where we're going to go. And uh, just an encouragement, if maybe you're struggling with your faith, struggling with following God, that remember that our faith isn't a blind faith. We don't have a you know pillar of fire leading us at night. Um physically but but we do have Christ's example and then we can follow him and so I encourage you also to look back at season two episode 10 uh we busted the myth that following Christ is a blind faith <laughs> um and that faith in Christ is blind faith and so and just like they had the pillar of cloud the pillar of fire we've got God that we can follow Jesus and, and his example of how he lived his life yeah that was well said I don't have anything to add both of those are extremely good points um <laughs> With all of that being said, then, what do you have for us for what's going on in the rest of the world? So in number six, uh, 24 through 26, there's kind of a, I guess, a famous blessing. You may have heard it before. It's, it's inspired some songs and stuff, but it says, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor upon you and give you peace. And what's uh, really interesting about this, this is still very commonly used in the Jewish culture and, and special prayer sessions. I wouldn't be surprised if this is in uh, other world religions as well. Um, but 
it's a really, really powerful prayer and a simple thought. And so I just wanted to share that with you and encourage you with it, that it was, it was powerful back then. And it was, it was the priestly prayer. They would pray over the nation of Israel, pray over the congregation. And I still pray today and very influential in, in Jewish culture, but we can take that on as well. Um, and so I just encourage you to, to think about that, the, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord look with favor upon you and give you peace. The other little fun fact that um, that I learned when looking at that and, and how it is today is uh, both of us are uh, Star Trek nerds. Um, we've, we've got that in our blood. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the the hand sign that the Jewish people um, use when they're when they're saying this prayer is um, you'll recognize it as live long and prosper from, uh, from the Vulcans in Star Trek. <laughs> so that's actually this Jewish prayer was, and, and that hand signal was the inspiration for Leonard Nimoy's live long and prosper. Fun fact. That is a fun fact. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. I always think about that. There are, you know, parts in the Bible that say things about live long and prosper, you know, live a long and prosperous life. And yeah. So I always think about that, but mm-hmm. I didn't know that was an actual thing. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. He was, <laughs> now I'm trying to remember the facts. I think he was born into an Orthodox Jewish home. And so he was just around that a lot. And so that was his inspiration. That's yeah. cool. I like it. I like it a lot. And that's a really sweet blessing uh, there. It's one that I have written in a couple of books that people have given me. Um, my grandmother had given me a book, I think, with that same hmm. verse in it, and uh, yeah, it's just a real, it's just a real sweet one. It's just a very loving, peaceful blessing. Mm-hmm. It is um, when you think about it like that. That's kind of the the hope, right? Mm-hmm. So, with all of that said, next week we're going to come together and. Yes, next week. We're going to come back. We're not going to take a long break again for a little bit. Um, But we're going to come together and continue on the numbers conversation uh, in numbers 13 through 20, if you want to follow along. And uh, we're going to see what happens when they come to the uh, land of Canaan and scout it out. Are we getting close to the land of milk and honey? (gasps) Spoilers. (laughs) So we're going to see the the dun-dun-duns that come with scouting out the land of Canaan. Uh, so, fun and drama-filled time coming up. Excellent. Y'all come back and hear what's going on in Numbers 13 through 20 next week. Hope y'all have a great week. And Matt, why don't you get us on out of here? If you have any comments, questions, or concerns about today's episode, shoot us a note at info at simplifyjesus.com. We would love to hear from you. Just let us know what you think. Be sure to check us out on social media and keep up with the latest from Simplify Jesus. We like to hang out on Facebook and Twitter. Comment, like, share. Keep up with all the latest stuff we've got going on there. You can also keep up with the latest at www.simplifyjesus.com as we roll out new podcast episodes and we've got different things going on. That's where you'll be able to find that. And finally, if you're looking for uh, where to listen to this podcast, let us know if you can't find us. But you can always just ask Alexa. Just say, hey, Alexa, play the Simplify Jesus podcast, and you'll find us there. And with that being said, you guys have a great week. Take care, everybody.